So for those of you guys that don't know, I'm Patrick. I'm one of the volunteers here at Adventure. Chris, who's normally up here doing this teaching time, is actually up in Jacksonville this morning because uh, Restore Church is having their launch Sunday today. So let's, let's cheer for them. Let's give it up for them. Let's clap that out. That's really exciting because this has been a long time in the making. They're having their first official Sunday today. And uh, just as we're going today, if you could think about that, just lift up those guys, Roger and Mike and Kendra and their whole team, um, that they can be having a great service and uh, everything will go off without a hitch or if there are hitches that they uh, just put a trailer on and they keep going. Um, it, it'll work. It'll be good. Uh, but there's, a, there's actually other cool things happening this weekend. There's other interesting things happening this weekend, not just Restores Launch Sunday, but uh, there's actually a new movie that came out this week that's actually a remake of a movie that came out in the 90s, which was actually a retelling of a story that's been around for hundreds of years. And I mean, really, I mean, if we want to get right down to it, you could say that it's a tale as old as time, a song as old as rhyme. You know what we're talking about. We're talking about Beauty and the Beast. You know, that classic love story. You know, boy meets girl, boy's really this crazy monster, so he kidnaps her and locks her in his castle until she falls in love with him. You know that old, that old deal, you know, Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, that's, that's what's going on there. Uh, if you don't know what that is, that's the psychological condition that happens when a captor develops positive feeling, or captive develops positive feelings for their captor. You know, that's what that is. It's, it's actually where it happens so much that... Um, People have, after being held at gunpoint for so, such a long time by somebody, they will join their cause. Or in the case where Stockholm Syndrome actually got its name, where a bank was being robbed in Stockholm, Sweden, uh, and five people were held at gunpoint for six days, when they were finally released, their first thing that they did when they got out was they started raising money for the legal defense of the people that had held them captive. It's crazy, but that's what Beauty and the Beast is all about. It's all about this, this guy, this monster, holding on to something until it decided to love him. Over the last several weeks, we've been going through the book of Galatians, and we, we've been looking at the letter from Paul to them and seeing what that's all about and what it means to, to be free, but we've not really talked about what we're free from or why it's important that we've been freed or what in the world that has to do with Beauty and the Beast. It will come back around, I promise. Um, and these are some really good questions. And, and as always, Adventure Church, we like to look to the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions. So we're going to do that again today. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and pull that out. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 and 6. If you don't have a Bible, there's a bunch you can download on your phone for free that uh, are really good and easy. I recommend the Bible app. Um, it's pretty clear. You just type in Bible, it comes up. Or there's some Bibles under the chairs. You can grab one of those. And if you don't have a good, easy reading version of the Bible, take that home with you. Let that be a free gift to you because we want you to have God's word in your life. Uh, and of course, the, the words will be up on the screen behind me uh, if you want to do that um, as well. This is where Paul starts in Galatians chapter 5. He, he jumps right in and says it. He, he lets us know what it's all about. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be again burdened by a yoke of slavery. Paul says we've been set free. It's already done. We've already been set free, but there's a really big caveat there. He says we have to decide to stay free. 
We have to decide to live in that freedom. We have to choose freedom. Now, Paul, throughout the book of Galatians, um, he's really writing this letter to all the, the Gentile believers there, the, the Christians that are Christians that have, were never Jews before, and writing to them to say, hey, don't listen to those guys that were Jews first that are telling you you've got to circumcise yourself and you've got to follow all Moses because it's not about that. It's about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, don't worry about that. Um, and if you read the next five, six, seven, twelve verses, uh, you see that that's what he's talking about. He says circumcision like 15 times. And Chris already talked about that a couple weeks ago. So if you want to learn more about circumcision, go look on the podcast. Listen to those. Chris will tell you all about it. I'm going to skip that today because it's awkward. I just don't want to deal with it. Um, And there's other places that Paul talks about this idea of slavery. So I'm just going to go and pull one of those and pretend like it was supposed to happen. And it really could have. Paul really could have been thinking this point through at this time because what would happen in those times when Paul would write a letter or James or Peter or one of those guys would write a letter to a church, they would read it and they would copy it down and they would keep it and then they would send a copy out to another church who would read it and copy it and send it out. And that's how we got the epistles that are in the Bible to begin with, the letters to all the churches, were because they were being circulated and saying, you need to see what Paul said. You need to hear what Peter and James and John said. And so I don't think it's too big of a stretch to do that. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to look in Romans, the letter that Paul wrote to them. And in chapter 6, and this is what Paul says. He says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one that you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. And what I found is that over and over and over again, it always comes back to this one little word, this one little idea, and that is choice. We have a choice to make. Day in and day out, we have to make choices, and we get to decide things. And I'm going to tell you, though, on paper, the choice seems really, really simple. Sin or freedom. Life everlasting with the God creator of the universe that loves us so much and knows every hair on our head. Or death and pain and torment and sadness for all eternity. We get to pick. It seems like such a no-brainer. It's like, would you rather have a punch in the face or a million dollars? It's so easy. And yet, and yet, if you're anything like me, far too often, we don't make the easy choice. Far too often we make that weaker choice, that that lesser choice, the choice that leads us back to that old master, the one that has held us prisoner, the one that has held us captive, that has beat us down and drug us further and further away from God. We make that choice to go back to that sin that has mastery over us instead of the freedom that God wants to give to us. And, And we, we, I want to know why. I want to try and figure out why because that's a hard question. Why do we keep going back to sin? Why do we keep going back to sin? And, and the only answer I could come up with, the only answer that it would make sense in my brain, and it might not really be the same for you, but I feel like it is, it's simple. It's Beauty and the Beast. It's Stockholm Syndrome. We've been held captive for so long by that sin that we've found some part of it, some idea of it, some thought of it that we've fallen madly in love with, and we just don't want to let it go. We want to hold on to it. We want to, want to keep it. We want to just keep that little piece, that little part, and say, no, this is mine. 
And we start to make excuses and we start to build defenses for that sin that's in our lives. We say stuff like, it's not really hurting anybody but me. Nobody else really cares. I could stop anytime I want. I'm completely in control. At least I'm not as bad as that guy. I mean, I've never murdered anybody. I mean, I, I didn't eat them at least. I mean, whatever. Like, I, I'm, and we get that idea that it's okay because it's just this little thing. You know, all I do is lie or gossip or get drunk on Friday night. All I do is cheat on my taxes. It's just this little thing. But the whole time that we're making those excuses and we're making those defenses, we're getting deeper and deeper and deeper into the bondage of sin where it's getting its claws into us and it's holding on to us. And it happens because, and I'm going to feel bad saying this, but it's true, it happens because Satan is brilliant. And I think that's a biblical concept. You know, you go in the Bible, the Bible is going to talk about how wonderful and marvelous a creature that Satan is, uh, even though he's completely messed up, but he's brilliant. He made sin seem fun. He made sin seem like something we would want, we would want to have in our lives. I mean, think about this. Let me, let me propose this thought to you. If sin was taking a red-hot fire poker and jabbing it in your leg over and over again, there'd be like nobody in line for sin. We'd be like, no, I'm good. I, I don't need that in my life. I, I like my leg. I like walking. I don't like fire. Uh, I'm good. Sin is, I mean, think about Beauty and the Beast. If in Beauty and the Beast, all of those inanimate objects, the flatware that sings that song, you know, Be Our Guest, if they were telling the truth, you know, acknowledging where they are in their position, that they are all captives there too, and they started singing, we are slaves, we're trapped here, and we want you to be, no, that, like, Belle would be like, uh, check please, I'm out, I don't want nothing to do with this, but, but sin comes in and it says, I'm going to do everything I can to make you comfortable. I'm going to do everything I can to make you complacent. I'm going to do everything that I can that is in my power to make you feel like you have freedom while I'm really the one that's in control. To make you feel like you're making that choice where you can say, I'm a grown man, I do what I want. When I go and do these things. When really it's the sin that's gotten mastery over us and it's holding us in bondage. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm just trying to dump on you guys and say, hey, you're all awful, we're all awful, there's nothing we can do about it. Because I don't think that's true. I don't think it's because we're bad people. I don't think it's because we want sin in our life. I don't think it's because we don't want God to be a part of our life and we don't want to follow him. I think like Paul in Romans chapter 7, we just want to shout this out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I continue doing. It's like, what, what am I doing? Why is this happening? Why is this doing? Because we're trying. We want to live in freedom. We want to live a life that is, is free and clear with no burden and no slavery and no pain and no torment and no suffering. We want that. And yet, we keep going back to that master that beats us down. And I think the problem is, is that we've got too much rottenness in our life. Too many things are, are falling apart, and we don't know what to do with them. A couple weeks ago, my family uh, moved to a house out of an apartment. Um, thank you, by the way, to all of you that were there and helped. Like 30 people showed up and helped us move, and it was awesome. So thanks to all of you. But uh, we moved, and, and our new house is awesome. It's got uh, brand new windows all the way around the place. It's got new vinyl siding. The yard is clean. But that wasn't what it looked like when we first went to go and see the house. 
Um, a buddy of ours said, hey, I got to go help a buddy clean up his house because he's, uh, his tenants moved out. And we're like, oh, I want to see. Like, um, I might like this house. Uh, so we go over there. And what we see are, uh, is a house that the windows were probably put in in like 1820. Um, and the, the boards were probably last painted at that time as well. Like it looked like it had been through 100 hurricanes and stuff's chipping and peeling and nasty. Like they used the pressure washer but forgot to do anything after that. Um, and the yard was like a veritable jungle. And I'm, you know, trying to spin it good. I'm like, oh, man, that's cool. Cal will have woods to play in. That'll be awesome. Like, it'll be, it'll be good. Well, we'll lose him for a day, and he'll come back out and be, like, raised by wolves or something. I, I don't know. But I was like, this is going to be great. We're going to make it work. And, and we tell them, like, hey, we, we love it. We want to move in. And they're like, all right, well, cool. want to let you know we're going to put new windows on. And then they got new windows on. They're like, oh, we're going to put vinyl siding on because anything we do to that wood is going to look weird next to the brand-new windows. And they're like, sweet. Um, that's awesome. It looks like a brand-new house. But... One of the things that I noticed that made me the most excited was that in the woods back there that first day, I saw that there was a building. It wasn't a big building, like five by five, maybe six by six, tiny little shed. But I was like, that's awesome because we got a lot of junk. I mean, um, we have a lot of things for seasons that we don't use all the time. Uh, Just make that clear. Uh, Most of it's mine that I don't want to get rid of, but whatever. We won't talk about that. Uh, so we got all the stuff that we need to put somewhere, and there's no attic in the house, and there's no garage, and so there's just this one little barn. So I asked the landlord, I'm like, hey, Clay, is the barn going to stay? Can I use that for storage? And he was like, I mean, you can, but it's going to take some work. And I was like, all right, cool, no problem. I can do work. I don't, I don't even mind. Uh, and I didn't think about it again until move-in day. And we've got a stack of boxes, you know, this high that are ready to go in this little barn. And I was like, oh, we're eating lunch. Let's, let's go over here, a couple of guys, and look at this barn and see what we can figure out. I want to describe to you what we saw as we went to this barn. Uh, as you walk up, the first thing you notice is that there's really not a door. I mean, there's parts of a door. You've got the upright that holds the hinges together or the, the hinges are on. And then the part that comes across and a little part down and a doorknob. But that's it. That's the whole door. Uh, and it's rusted open. Like it's open and the hinges are rusted where you can't even move them. Uh, so basically there's no door. And so you look inside and you see a hole where the floor should be um, because of rain coming in for who knows how long. And, and we start looking, oh, that's not too bad. You know, we could replace the floorboards. You know, that'd be fine. Put a piece of plywood down. Oh, well, the floor joists are also rotted through. So we'll have to uh, replace it. We'll have to jack the whole thing up and replace it. it won't be, now, still, we can do it. And we looked around. Oh, oh, there's also a hole in the ceiling, and the rafters are rotted through. And uh, oh, the window's got a hole in it. And the, the oh, that's soft. I can just put my whole finger right. And um, basically, what we found was not a building, but the remains of one. Like it was basically just waiting to fall down. And I was like, I, there's nothing I can do here. Uh, but I still need to put my stuff somewhere. So what did I do? I just took a tarp and threw it over it. I said, hey, waterproof, beautiful. And this is what, you know, it's, uh, I, it works for now, kind of. I duct taped on the windows where the holes were. And that's actually two tarps. There's one on the roof and one for the door so I can still get in because I wanted to be clever about it. Um, but, of course, the first wind blew and blew the tarp up. And uh, But here's what I've just figured out as I was working on this message today. Our lives are a whole lot like this barn. We we start off, and I'm sure at some point this barn was a very passable building. 
that, that it was, when it was built, they didn't build it with rotten wood. They didn't build it with bad things. But over the years, bad stuff had happened to it. Over the years, sin had come into it. Rottenness had come into it. And now it's not worth anything. You know, our lives are, are very much like that. You know, we, we keep filling ourselves with things that will, will rot us away. And we keep going back to it, saying, no, it's, it's okay. I can put more of this rotten wood in my life, and I'm just shoring up the other rotten things. When what really needs to happen in this building is not to be covered in a tarp, but to be ripped down and burned up in the fire pit. Jeremy's not here, right? Um, I don't want to make, make sure Jeremy, he's the fire chief. He can't hear me say I'm going to burn it. Um, but that's what we need to do with that. We just need to get rid of it. Paul, in Galatians 5, he gives us a couple of lists of materials. A list of ideas and thoughts that come from making that choice between freedom and sin. Between God and our own earthly desires. And, and in Galatians 5.19, he gives us a pretty scary list. This is the list that we get if we choose sin. If we choose to only want what our flesh wants. It says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And he says, I warn you as I did before, those that live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Leave that slide up for just a minute, Justin. This, this is the list of materials that, that we keep going out and grabbing from. Now, I think all of us, when we look at this, we're like, I, I don't want anything. That's as bad as the hot poker in the leg. That, I, I don't want debauchery. I don't even know what that is. I, I just, that's, that's not something that sounds pleasant. I, I don't want to live a life full of rage and anger. I, I don't want to have hate be the first emotion that I feel in the morning. Nobody wants that. And that's not just us in here that are followers and believers of Christ. That's across the board in the world. Everybody would rather have love than hate. Everybody would rather have love than hate. But the thing is, this is what we've got in our life. This is what we, we have here, and, and we don't know what to do with it, so what do we do? We pile it up in a corner and throw a tarp over it. And we say, that's good, nobody can see it. You know, we, we delete our browser history. We, we don't put our drug dealer's name in our phone. We just remember it so nobody can see it. We erase that email from our mistress. We cover our tracks with the IRS. We think, I'm good. I got a tarp over it. Nobody can see it. It's gone. I can't even see it. It's like it's not there. But just like that flap on that door, we, we know how to get into it and grab it again. We know how to get right back to it and say, you know what? I, this is still mine. I'm not ready to lose this yet. This is still mine. I still want to hold on to this. We take all the steps that we can to hide the ugliness of our sin, even from ourselves. And I think that's true. Like I said, it's true for not just, not just Christians, not just Christ followers, but everybody. No one wants to air their dirty laundry. No one wants everybody to see that they're immoral or that they are impure. The world strives to look better than that. 
And if we back up just a little bit in Galatians 5, you know, Paul talks about this battle that's raging between the flesh and sin and freedom and God. Galatians 5, 16 says this, says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And that's that list that he just gave us. It says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want to do, even if you are a grown man. You're not to do whatever you want to do. There's a war going on for yourself and for your soul. There's a battle that's raging inside of you to choose freedom, to rid yourself of slavery, to get rid of all of that rotten wood. And this battle is being fought by the Spirit of God. And the way that the Spirit fights that battle is it says, if you choose me, I will give you better materials. I will give you better things to build with. Galatians 5, is a verse that you've probably heard if you've been a part of church for any length of time. It says, and the fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. It says, this is what I want to give you. This is what the Spirit of God wants to give you to replace all of that rottenness. Not to patch it, not to go in and take out one board and put a new one in and be like, hey, I got rid of hate and have love, but I still got all this debauchery. No, it's to get these new things. And it's not something you can go to Lowe's and pick up and you can't get it from the Home Depot. It only comes from one place, from walking with the Spirit of God, from being connected to that vine so that fruit can grow in your life. And these are ideals for all people. Whether it's your first day stepping in a church building or your 10,000th, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are things that you want in your life. Love is better than hate. Peace is better than anger. Kindness, goodness, and faithfulness are so much better than selfish ambitions and envy and dissension. And we know it. We recognize that. We we see that in in our lives. But it still comes down to us to choose that freedom. It still comes down to us to make the choice for the better materials. Years ago, before my my dad passed away, um, we were at Lowe's together, and I don't know whether he was helping me build something or I was just there with him for some reason and I was going to help him build something. All I knew is that we were going to buy a sheet of plywood. And so we, we go down the plywood aisle. And if you've ever been to Lowe's, you know that it starts where the closer to the register you are, the cheaper the wood is. So normally I only go like two feet into that aisle. Like that's just where I live is right there. But uh, we get in and my dad, you know, just keeps walking. He goes past the $10 OSB board and he goes past the, the $15, you know, kind of better board and the, the $35 board all, all the way down to the end to this like super fine maple extra hard top with like double sand. I don't know what was going on with it, but it was $85 a sheet. That's what I remember. I was like, we could save $75 by getting that board that was up there by the you know, the front. And I asked my dad, I was like, why do you have to get the most expensive board in the place? All we're doing is building a bookshelf. All we're doing is building a cabinet. Why are you going to get the most expensive board here? And, and he looked at me and he said, son, now 
I want you to know this about my, my dad. Uh, he didn't like to use names a lot. I don't know what it was with him, but he always called, like it was never Patrick. It was always Sunshine or Buddy or, you know, boy, uh, hey, you. Um, but I knew when he looked at me and he said, son, that he was getting ready to say something that he thought was important. And so that I better listen. Um, sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes it's was like, son, you got to pull for the Redskins. And I'm like, hey, whatever, I don't like football. Um, but, but this time I, I stopped and I listened. He said, son, you are only going to be able to build something as good as the materials you start with. And if you want to waste your time and your money and your energy using that, I can't say the word he used, um, board up there, then you go ahead, but you ain't going to have my help. If you're going to do it with me, you're going to do it right. And that hit me this week as I was looking at this stuff, as I was thinking about this. It hit me because that's one of the greatest lessons my dad ever taught me. If you're going to do something, do it right. If you want to have a life that you're not ashamed of, if you want to have a life that you don't need to have a bunch of tarps covering stuff up in, build it with the right materials. With love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Because nobody is against those things. That builds a good life. And you get those things by walking with the Spirit. You know, if we want the freedom to live the life that God has promised us and has already delivered to us, we've got to start right. It's not about doing good enough, though. It's not about building a life that's good enough that God will love you. It's about the natural reaction that you will have when you start loving God and making that choice day in and day out for him. And it's probably one of the most important choices that you will make because not only does it affect your day-to-day and your every relationship, it's a choice that shapes your eternity. Because when you live a life that's full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, you live a life that shines out the love of Jesus Christ into this world. And big powerful ways there's one more thought that I want to share with you from the book of Galatians as we wrap up this this series we wrap up this idea of being unchained and that is if you're living this life there's a certain way that it's going to come out a certain way that's going to happen and Galatians 6 verse 7 and, and following this is what Paul says he says do not be deceived God cannot be mocked A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh with debauchery, the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the Spirit will reap eternal life. So let us not become weary in doing what is good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Guys, I don't know where you are today. I I don't know if this is a battle that you've been fighting for years and years and years and years and years. 
or if it's a new fight for you. You might even be here today and you've not even decided that the fight is worth it, that you you don't understand how all these things that the world says are so good are going to bring destruction in your life. To that I say, just go watch any documentary on, on drug use and you'll see it. But here's what I do know. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that whatever that next step is to to choose freedom that you make it. If it's just coming back next week and giving God another chance, another Sunday, hey, that's a great, great next step. If it's coming clean to somebody about sin in your life so that you can get that tarp off, so you can start to burn that stuff away and healing can happen, then by all means do that. I don't know what sin has mastery over you. I don't know if it's one or a bunch. I don't know who your beast is. But I can promise you, no matter how much you love it, it will never turn into a prince. But the prince of heaven has already come and said that he loves you and wants you to come away from all of that. Wants to take you away and make you a prince and a princess and a king and a queen, the royal heirs of heaven. And he wants to give you that freedom starting right now. So whatever that first choice is, whatever that first step is, make it this week. Choose freedom for the sake of being free. Let's pray. Gracious Father, I thank you so much that you give us the ability to choose you. That you loved us enough that you didn't make us automatons. You didn't make us without the ability to have free will. But you said, I want you to choose me because only by choosing me can you love me. Help us to see, like Paul says in Galatians 5, that the whole of the law is fulfilled in that word love. In the statement, love your neighbor as yourself. Help us to do good to all people. To live out a life with your fruit growing and shining over and above any other choice that we make. Thank you so much for all that you are, for all that you do. Thank you for letting us love you, for loving us so much more in return. In your name we pray, amen.